All right, welcome to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. I am sitting in the Rumpus Room, which is a eatery on Main Street in Vancouver with two members of a band called Tokyo Police Club. I'd love you guys to introduce yourselves. Hey, what's up? Uh, the slightly hoarse one is Graham. I play guitars in the band. I don't know if you care. Hey, what's up? The slightly congested one is Josh. I also play guitars in the band. Thanks for joining me, guys. So we're in the Rumpus Room. You guys are waiting for your order. What did you order to eat? Uh, I got some vegetarian chili and then to balance it out, some uh, some little miniature corn dogs. I also got the vegetarian chili. It came highly recommended. <laughs> to balance that out, I got some uh, fried chicken and a Caesar. And you just got a beverage. I got my hot toddy. Wow, hot toddy. This smells good. Yeah, man, it's, the, it's a miracle drink. Although Josh's Caesar just arrived and it looks pretty damn good too. I'm, I'm very excited for this. And didn't your tour manager's drink also come? Yes, it did. That's a beautiful looking whiskey sour. All right, well, you guys take a sip of your drinks. I'm going to play a track. I'm going to play Hercules off your, off your latest record, TPC. So who would like to give someone a little information about that song as if they've never heard of you guys before? Yeah, so uh, Hercules, our new album is like a really guitar-y, to us, really fun record. But what's fun to us is kind of like big 90s alt-rock jams. And so Hercules is like the peppy, upbeat song on the record, uh, which made it an obvious choice for the first single, especially in the summer, and also makes it one of my favorite songs to play live right now.
Welcome back to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard the track Hercules by Tokyo Police Club off their latest record, TPC. Oh, the cutlery has come. All right, guys. (laughs) That's fine looking cutlery. Looks ready to use. So the story behind this record is that you guys nearly broke up before making it. So why don't we start there? Yeah, I guess I kind of dispute the term breaking up, even though it's accurate, because it just makes it sound like we were in like an acrimonious state where we barely made it through this, like, you know, this antagonistic relationship. We had to patch something up. It was a very mutual reassessing of goals and life positions. So I, I would say that we were like, we were thinking about maybe just like gently turning the fader down on the band. Uh, and we never got as far as actually discussing what that would look like, whether it was going to be an unextended hiatus or a, you know, just a chilling out or whatever. Uh, it was just, yeah, as Josh says, everyone was kind of rethinking 10 years in, what do we want to do, where are we at? And for some of us, certainly for me, it felt like maybe 10 years is a good amount of time to do this and maybe it's time to try something else. Uh, and, you know, that was kind of all going on while we were writing the songs for the record. And somewhere in that process, we all in our own way sort of rediscovered, you know, the joys and the love of what we do. And so instead of stopping, we started starting even more than ever before. You summed it up very nicely there. The story I heard is that at the end of the 10-year anniversary tour for your A Lesson in Crime EP, three-fourths of you were ready to do the slow fade. One wasn't, and he turned all of you around. Well, we could, uh, yeah, we could, we could say that. I think, I think the important thing is that um, we, in this conversation, we consciously recognize what it was about the previous ten years, or more recently, the the most recent chunk of time that it started to grate and like grind us down a lot quicker than before. And once acknowledging that, we uh, we were. Sorry. The food is here. <laughs> Yeah, no, no problem. Uh, that might be you. It was our we'll bad. We'll sort it out. Yeah, just throw it down. Yeah. Chili, I'm yeah. chili. That looks terrible. It's really heavy. Ooh. And the corny. That's also me. With the oh, my God. chili. The corny oh, that's my corny chili. chili. That's your chili. That's my corny chili. Holy Maybe shit. Maybe I misunderstood the order. You know what? This is all the food I was hoping for. I will. Thank you. It looks delicious. It looks amazing. I'm very excited for this chili. Um, so where was I saying something about how we, we just took a look back at what was causing us a lot of unnecessary, um, uh, where there were a little bit of effort sinks and we weren't, uh, getting what we wanted back and we made changes to our creative process and our business side and we, we just took a lot of control back and then... We decided, well, now that we've done all that, we need to do one more record to just fully realize this potential of what we've just uh, kind of assembled and uh, see where that goes. So I'm going to get dramatic, but it sounds like a regrouping for one last stand. We got the band back together. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at one point, that was on the table, too. We're like, damn, this record is good, but like, maybe this would be a great way to be like, this is our last record. Wouldn't that be cool if we could like just do this triumphant thing? But again, it, just, it was like every step of the way we kind of had to trick ourselves into continuing to do it. And maybe that was Dave tricking us into it. Um, I don't really know. Certainly I felt like I was tricking myself. I thought I was in control of my destiny the entire time, which is maybe a foolish thing to ever think. But yeah, it was like, oh, cool, it's going to be our last record. Yeah, so now we can like, let's really invest everything in this record. And then the more we invested, the more it felt like, why would we ever stop? 
So I like this. I like where this is going, but I have to dial it back a little bit because I'm curious. For three-fourths of you to be ready to do the slow fade, you guys had to have very active other lives going on. So to give context and to give to give real stakes, I wanted to get a sense of what your side projects were. Well, I was definitely, I think, the side projectiest. Um, I was writing, like, screenwriting stuff, and there was, like, what really triggered the big, like, um, impetus for me was there was this, in Toronto where we live, there's this really prestigious screenwriting program that you can you know apply for and if you get into it it's like everyone comes out and gets a job writing in TV right away so it's a really good program and I was like I'm going to apply for this program and I knew and this was while we were still writing songs we knew we were going to go and make the record and we knew it was going to come out around October now we thought it was one year earlier than it actually came out like every time we make a record but I was like and that's when the program started so my thing was like guys I'm applying for this program I'm gonna keep doing all the band stuff. I, I love the songs. I'm still having fun. I'm having more fun, really. But if I get into the program, I'm gonna do that, which means that I'm not gonna be around to tour. I'm not gonna be around to do press. And, you know, I don't really. I've known people in bands who have kind of tried to, like, half ass it and be like, well, I don't really. I can't tour or do anything, but can I still be in the band? And I, I felt like that was not fair to anyone, myself or the other guys. So that was my big, like, throw down the gauntlet moment of saying, if I get into this, I'm done. I'm out. Now, fortunately, I guess I didn't get in, which maybe it's, you know, maybe I'm just making the best of a bad situation. But by the time I found out that I didn't get in, I was equally, I was stoked about getting in. I was like, hell yeah, I'll be a TV writer. That's dope. But also, I was like, ah, but Tokyo Police Club, really fun band, really great job. Maybe I've been taking it a bit for granted. And the closer it got to this moment, this deadline moment of like, What's gonna happen? What's gonna happen maybe to the rest of my life? Not to be over dramatic. I was like, I was like, I guess I'll find out when I get the email how I feel. Cause I couldn't work out how I was feeling. And I was, I guess I just knew, sometimes you just gotta wait until you react to something to find out what's going on deep down there. And I got the email and I really was just like, okay, I feel very peaceful about this. Let's go do the band. Nice, now it's your turn. Uh, not nearly as interesting. Don't sell yourself short. I'll chew this bite of food before answering. Um, no, I had nothing of any consequence on the side. I think for me, it was just uh, the most grating part was the culmination of so many years of things slowly, and our fault as well, being taken out of our hands and business decisions and the creative process had kind of evolved to this point that wasn't really satisfying for me personally and I think for some of the other guys too it wasn't the ideal way to do it and uh, if it was going to continue down that path I was not excited to be a part of it and like you know Graham says about somebody being uh, wanting to do something else but then still being in the band as far as I was concerned I wasn't as creatively involved with the band and that's not fair to have the other guys string along somebody that's only you know 25% invested in it and looking for something else so that was kind of my perception or my uh, situation at that point was just unless we can change our situation and attack this with more creativity and pulling things back that are exciting and make the band fun again then I didn't want to be a part of it and I didn't want to drag anyone down with me nice oh Sorry, that just reminded me of something. Can I just keep talking? I don't want to like throw up, do the entire interview on your first question, but something that really rattled around my head a lot at that time, even you know, besides my hopeful side project or, or main project, as I was hoping it would be, when we first decided to do this, we were kids, right? We were like 18, 
and my parents, both teachers, both English majors, both like real rule following, steady people. And when we got our first record contract, I was like, mom, dad, we got this record contract. And they were like, does this mean you're gonna not go to university? Cause I was taking a gap year at that point. And I was like, I don't know, not right now. I wanna go do this. And they were really furious about it. And I, I sat down with my dad. This is like the most mature thing I've ever done in my life to date. I was like, listen, man, I get your, you know, I get your objections. I want to talk this out. And like, you know, I'd love to have your blessing, but blah, I'm going to do this. No, 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 I'm, a, my, my, I'm, a, I'm my own man, whatever. And he was like, listen, it's not that we think it's going to fail now. It's clearly going really well. Our concern is 10 years from now when it seems like it's just around the corner. It's just around the corner. It's just around the corner. How are you going to know enough to get out while you're still young, while the getting's still good? And like, you know, if it starts to not work, how are you going to get out of it? How are you going to know enough to actually separate yourself? And at the time, I was like, yeah, whatever, Dad. But as I got to 10 years after, and, you know, things were starting to plateau a bit. And, you know, we were really hypey early on, and that was starting to go away, as it naturally does. I was like, oh, no. The old man was exactly correct. And I need to have my wits about me and not get dragged down by something that's sinking, get dragged down by my own hopes and expectations. And I got really obsessed about that for a while. And I was like, the only smart thing to do, because there's no retirement plan for bands. And we're not the Rolling Stones. Like, Tokyo Police Club's probably not going to be getting in the van and going around the country when we're 60 years old, or 40 years old, maybe 40. Our tour manager was just like, oh no. Uh, but so I, at the time I was like, so if there is going to be a second act in my life, if there's something else I need to do, I should do it now when I'm 29 and not try and figure it out when I'm like 55 and maybe have a family and all of a sudden I'm like, I'm not qualified for anything else. It's a virtual reality Bitcoin economy in like 2040. Robots so, are going to have all the jobs anyway. You're going to be competing with a much superior being. Uh, exactly. So anyway, I wanted to, I was like, I need the only responsible choice to make is to get out before the robots take all the jobs and see what I can do. And that was, I remember that time we had that, the conversation that you referred to about the three of us saying like, no, and Dave saying, let's keep doing it. I, I remember vividly the three of us were driving to Chicago for a show and Dave was meeting us there and in the van we got talking about it and that was a big thing we were talking about was like, how are we gonna know even if we just don't jump? Like, we gotta get out of the safety zone and figure out our lives. And it felt really imperative at that point. And now that fear is still like somewhere in the back of my mind because it didn't get any more viable long-term, but I just don't care as much. All those things you said seem sensible and relatable for somebody who's in their 30s, so how did he reel you all back in? I mean, not to take away from Dave's leadership skills, but I feel like I reeled myself back in and the music reeled me back in. And it was like the, the sort of half-assed metaphor I keep using is that, as Josh has alluded to, it's like, We've been in the music industry. We've been doing music as our jobs for 10 years. And so there was all this big pile of shit that was like, what are the ticket counts for the next show? How did the album sell? What are streaming numbers like? You know, are numbers going up? Are numbers going down? Is radio playing the song? Radio won't even play my jams, Marshall Mathers. Uh, and when we decided to stop, or when I made peace with the idea of stopping, it was like all that shit stopped but something that was underneath all of it kept going. And out the other end, much to my surprise, was just being in a band and writing songs and like hanging out with my friends. And as soon as that became the main aspect of my experience of the band, I was like, oh, this is the best. 
this is the greatest thing ever. I mean, the feeling, I'm getting goosebumps right now talking about it, the feeling of writing a song, of playing on stage. Last night we had this amazing show, and the feeling of having that, you know, the crowd's clicking and you're clicking and everything's like, it's, I, I, there's no words to describe it, it feels like magic. Once that feeling became the only part of what we were doing, I was like, what kind of insane lunatic would ever stop this voluntarily? And that was really what got me back in, was and ending all the shit and letting the good stuff, quite by accident, come out. All right, I think it's time for, I think it's time to play another track. I'm gonna play Simple Dude off the latest record, TPC. How about one of you guys say something about it before we hear it? Oh, Simple Dude was, uh, it was actually kind of cool because it came about really effortlessly. I mean, it's always, it's hard to write songs and like you put a lot of time into it and everything, but uh, this one, as soon as they played a demo version of it, it was very immediate. And so in recording it, we just tried to keep it as close to the initial idea as possible. And uh, that's what you hear. I want you wearing white. I want you in a frame. Nothing but a t-shirt. Dancing in the rain Cause I'm just a simple dude With an ordinary mind I want you in your body Hold it next to mine Cause everything you do is a new sensation Feeling lonely, your touch, my touch, I feel the rush.
Wood, your host. You just heard the track Simple Dude off the record TPC by Tokyo Police Club. I'm eating dinner with two members of the band. Guess what? It's your turn to talk about this song. Simple Dude? Oh, yeah. Can I do a quick behind-the-scenes thing of this interview first? You can cut it out if you don't like it. I, I used to do some radio, and I am awestruck by the recklessness with which you're going between segments. You're like, here's a song by Tokyo Police Club. Welcome back. I'm like, how is he going to edit that? How will he find the space? His breath tape is going to have to be so deep. You're clearly an expert. Uh, anyway. Um, well, thank you. So Simple Dude was, I was thinking about it the other day, and it's been really interesting for me rem- reminiscing about the circumstances under which we wrote all the different songs on the record. Because the narrative, as I'm sure you've seen in, in your, you know, whatever press pack you got sent, is we, went, we kept going to this rural Ontario church, which is true, but it wasn't the only place we went. And there was one session where we had played a show in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada's capital, and afterwards the church wasn't available. And so our friend Jonas has this, like, he lives in this farmhouse and built a studio out of the farmhouse. And we went out there for like three or four days. It was the only time on the record we went out there. And in, at the time, it felt a little bit like um, out of the narrative. Like even while we were there, it didn't have quite the same vibe as the church. And it felt a little bit like, ah, are we wasting this time? What are we doing? But in retrospect, we wrote a bunch of songs that wound up on the record there. And I was thinking about it. We were playing Simple Dude last night. And there's this thing, as, as everyone just heard at the beginning of it, where like it's the quiet guitar going. And there's a big, all of a sudden, the band does this surprise hit. And I remember coming up with that in Jonas's like little barn studio and being so psyched about it. Uh, and also, he built his own sauna. And so we went for steams every night. Nice. Simple Dude's enjoying the simple life. <laughs> That was good. That was good. All right. So you guys, you had this moment where you recommitted to everything. But at the time, you lived in three different cities. You wrote a lot of songs by emails. So this double downing on commitment to the music took some personal sacrifice and timetable rearranging. Or did it? It took the barest minimum of effort. And I think that kind of speaks to how, like, um, God, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm, I'm not going to get it, but like, how, how, can I swear? How fucked our internal system had become. I remember, like, this is not quite what you asked, but I remember I would get any email I would get from anyone in the band at home. I would have all day at my house where I would do nothing all day, and I, my rent was getting paid by the band, and I would get, like, one email about one thing and be like, ah, leave me alone. I'm trying to sit quietly. And, like, I feel like there was that vibe of, like, because we were all living in different places, the idea of, like, getting together to work on the songs just felt, like, so daunting and, like, such an imposition. Why would we have to do that? Come on. We've reached our, you know, nine-year, ten-year level. We should, everything should be easy and just lay itself out for us. And the idea of doing any work, especially to me, felt just, like, injustice. We were spoiled rotten, basically. And... So it wasn't like it was difficult. It was actually easy just doing it remotely. And we was such a, I think the results are pretty good, but it, it was creatively really unsatisfying. And after that, we're like, well, let's not do that again. Let's just get together once. And the first time we went to the church, I remember it just felt like, it's so easy. Why didn't we do this the whole time? Get out of Toronto, go somewhere, chill out. It's not very expensive. It's not very difficult. We had to get together for shows anyway, so we just stayed together for three, four more days. And it was like, I, I couldn't believe it. We, it felt like 
there had been this like obvious blaring klaxon that we had just never listened to before. Yeah, the the biggest maybe sacrifice was on Greg and Dave were both in the states at that time, so to add you know five days on around a show and go out and have this recording time seemed you know kind of like an unnecessary burden if you could just fly in for the show and fly out. But after the first time we did it, Graham's right, like the vibe that we had in the church just all actually playing instruments in the same room instead of like layering layers on a email demo there's just that uh kind of unquantifiable feeling that you get when you play live music with other people and it just it actually helped shape a lot of the whole feeling for the record as well and uh when we were in the studio i mean much different than a you know giant echoey church a very contained studio we still tried to uh, capture that very live sound that we wrote the whole record to. Um, but yeah, uh, witty way to wrap all that up into a concise statement goes here. Great, that was great. <laughs> so you guys are in the church. Press materials talk a lot about uh, wanting to recapture the energy of the older songs, but as you guys have very well described, you're no longer 18-year-olds, so that can be a daunting task trying to be someone that you can't be anymore. I the phrase I've been using in these interviews about stuff like that is always like you spend a decade like how many bands haven't put out the press release for their new album where it's like and they tried to recapture the energy of doing it for the first time and I feel like you just cry wolf and cry wolf and cry wolf or maybe it's true maybe you genuinely believe it every time but I don't even know how to talk about it anymore without just sounding like uh, you know like a robot you know like, like those bots where they're like we fed this bot a thousand Simpsons episodes and it wrote its own funny script it's like we fed this bot like uh, 10,000 banned press releases and it spat out like this idea that like yeah we wanted to like go back to the energy of our roots but at the same time apply the benefit of our experience in new ways so I think this record is kind of like you know it has one foot in the past one foot firmly planted in the future it's almost as if anyone who's listening to this has something to like in it please buy it Fair. That's so, not to be cynical. <laughs> no, that is on our stickers for this record. <laughs> fair, fair. So then if you tossed all that out of the window, where would you say the Tokyo Police Club is on the path of their journey? Not knowing, of course, where the end is. Now I feel like, and this is going to be corny, I'm sorry, but I've always perceived the path as being like, what, what is the path towards? Where's the road sign? Why am I not like closer? Am I going in the wrong direction? Find me the shortcut. Find me the fastest route between point A, which is wherever I am, and point B, which is like resounding success. Whatever I'm hoping and dreaming for, whatever you know, I think I'm supposed to hope and dream for. And now I'm like, wow, the scenery on this path is beautiful. And this walk is gorgeous and I feel great. And I, if I can't see five feet in front of me, I don't give a shit. That's very good. That was like the same analogy that I was thinking in my head. Although mine was uh, at the beginning of our career, we like leapt off into the ocean and we were following certain boys that we thought were like, oh, that's where we got to get to. Let's swim over there and keep going. And then we got to a point where we're like, oh, shit, we, we have no idea where we are. And we weren't enjoying just floating around. And now we finally picked a direction and we don't know if it's right, but it feels good to all of us. And we are swimming in that direction. And uh, yeah, same analogy. Mine has the element of drowning. <laughs> I think it's time to play another song. I'm going to play New Blues off the new record. Who would like to talk about it before we hear it? Well, we just talked about the church, and Josh, Josh mentioned like the natural reverb of the church. And I think, you know, for a long time we talked about we should record the record in a church. We should like duplicate this feeling. And then we're like, well, there, there's a lot of beautiful recording studios that they've built to record in, so maybe we should just do that and save ourselves the trouble. 
But obviously, like, the songs were informed by the space, you know? When you're hearing everything filled out by all this reverb in the room, you're less likely to try and put stuff everywhere. And in the past, it's been a very Tokyo Police Club thing to do, like, any leaning time is cleaning time, as they used to say when I worked at Tim Hortons. To be like, oh, there's like a blank spot there. Let's put in nine riffs and eight drum fills so that it's like still exciting and cool and people don't lose interest. And I think the church really helped us not do that and just be like, just let the chords kind of sit. And New Blues to me is the most effective uh, application of that lesson that we learned. It's just like me and Josh are just hammering on these chords. They're big, roomy, like nine chords. And... Yeah, they just they filled the space and the space gave them right back to us and I, it still sounds like that to me.
Welcome back to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard the track, New Blues, off the record TPC by Tokyo Police Club. Josh, it's your turn to talk about this. Yep, like Graham said, uh, New Blues, I, I, I could be completely wrong on this and feeding you false information, but I feel like that was one of the first tracks that we did in the church. And uh, it was, it went through a few iterations, but it was always very close to the original idea. Um, we didn't do too much. In the past, we've done this great, we call it the circle back, which is you take an idea and you just beat it to death. And it's always important to explore different uh, avenues that an idea could go down or the different ways a song could be interpreted. But at a certain point, you have to realize that that's what the song is and that's what it wants. And how do you best serve that instead of cramming a bunch of shit in it? And New Blues was one of the first ones that that circle back was very tight. And we did maybe two or three iterations of it, and then we threw it all out, and we we're like, no, this the what we had before is the true DNA of this song, and how do we just best showcase that in a way that uh, really conveys it to people listening? And I think uh, the way we did it ended up being very close to the original, and uh, I think it's the best way that that could have been conveyed. Nice, thanks. Do you wanna? Looks like you're looking for interest. So what are gonna do? Oh, I didn't, no, I didn't even know. I was going to maybe order a beer, but I couldn't see that. Oh, no, I'll have, what is it? The uh, Dude Chilling IPA. Simple Dude Chilling. No, the pale ale's great. Thank you. I'm getting a pale ale, but not an eye pale ale. There's no eye in pale ale. All right, so you guys are on tour now. You're mostly playing songs off the new record. You've got quite the catalog behind you. What's one song from the good old days that you miss playing live? but it's no longer on the set list that I can play now. Well, on this, that we don't on this, play anymore. Yeah, that we don't play anymore. On this tour, we made a conscious effort to try and learn a lot of our old songs, and we were for a while we were doing kind of a request part where people would shout out things and we'd try to play it half decently. And most of the time, we almost lived up to the half decently. But now we've kind of put songs like Big Difference we put into the set. We just uh, attacked it head on and said, we, we're not good at this, so let's play it a bunch of times and figure it out but that we don't play any more that I want people to hear. Ah, you going? Uh, I don't miss playing it in the sense that it was, I found it difficult to get right and stressful in the set, but I really liked, I love, it's one of my favorite songs we've ever done, and so I miss hearing it all the time. Uh, it's called Gone, it's off Champ, and it's, it's, there's this really fun keyboard part in the middle that on the record, oh, my beer's arrived. Thank you. Oh my goodness. That's okay. Good save. Actually, didn't spill it on the board. Questions gone. Must go from memory. How did you get band name? Um, so yeah, this keyboard part that in this we did in the studio, and we put my old Casio tone, which is now retired from the road and lives it stays out in my apartment, through Josh's whammy pedal. And while I played it, Josh like futzed around with it, and you can hear it in the quiet parts. It's like blue, 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 blue. It's all this R two D two shit. And we didn't, we couldn't do that live. We never figured out a way to do it. But man, it's so cool. And in my in my head when we played it live, I was like, bloop, 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 bloop. but then I had to play guitar a bunch and sing a lot, and it was just too much. And that song is gone. And that's off the record. Champ. Let my hair down Ooh, 
that I'm supposed to do Runners don't run to me Runners don't say the same old things Races don't bother me Races don't say the same old things That you always do Gone to the coast Gone to the coast Where I let my hair Welcome back to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard a track that Tokyo Police Club chose from their back catalog, and that song was called "Gone." Off the record, champ. I like that. That was like a request by us. Okay, long time, first time. <laughs> nice. All right, so you guys are on tour now. You're probably going to be promoting this record for a couple of years on the road. If you could imagine, and I know that you are an aspiring screenwriter, so you will be able to imagine this very well. It's one and a half years from now. You guys are finishing the tour. You're all tired of being on the road, tired of each other. You're going to have to have that conversation to re-up. So how do you think that's going to go? Oh, to me, I don't feel like there's a conversation. I think at some point, Dave's going to be like, hey, you want to book some time to write or jam? The only conversation I can think of having is like, do we go back to the church or do we try and find a new cool spot that'll be the new record's cool spot? But other than that, I'm, I, I'm in, man. All in, 100%, no question. Yeah, there, there really has been a re-energization that's happened since we took as much uh, control back of our business and our creative process as well. And that's really satisfied all of the previous uh, uh, feelings of terribleness. Uh, for, for, uh, just, just um, yeah, it's been much more creatively satisfying. And, I mean, we're, we're at the merch table even on this tour selling our own merch, which... I never thought was crazy, but everybody that comes up is just like, oh, you guys are actually selling your own merch. And like, even something as small as that, taking it back and being like, we could have somebody come out here and sell our stuff, but we'd rather do it ourselves, be in control of it, talk to people and like be on the ground floor. Um, I don't understand why that would be seen as crazy, but please continue. <laughs> well, Wait, same. Quick anecdote. Some guy came up to me last night. and was like, are you related to the keyboardist? And I was like, in a sense. Uh, Obi-Wan, that's a name I've not heard for a long time. Yeah, we all have stunt doubles, and this guy was on to you. (laughs) Nice, guys. Thank you very much for sharing your dinner with me. I appreciate it. It's the last song, so I'm going to choose one of these days off the new record. So I'd love it if you guys could tag team this and tell me a bit about this track. I remember going to the church to do one of these days, and I just got a new guitar, Fender Starcaster, Johnny Greenwood style, 
a new amp, Fender Deluxe Reverb, everyone's style, and a new pedal, Chode Blaster, uh, Eva from Charlie Bliss style. And I was like, yo, this setup is dope. And we started playing that song, and there's the, the uh, you'll hear it in the song, the bow, 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 the part where he says one of these days. I just like hit the Chode Blaster and just like held the hollow body guitar up to the amp and it started feeding back in the church. And I was like, I am a guitar god. I am not a guitar god. But in that moment, I felt like one. And that translated into the record. When we did a few tracks on this song where Josh and I just went into the room where the amps were, and just uh, the song's in an open tuning for the you know semi-nerds out there. And we just like got hollow body guitars and cranked the amps and just held up the guitars and made feedback for like, I don't know, a good six minutes. And it's all over the song. It's so dope, man. Yeah, I was going to say, Grant, Grant mentioned the open tuning. That was going to be my only thing, is that it's uh, one of the crazier, the zany things we did. Before this, we had nothing that was in a real, we, we were either in standard E or E flat. Um, and this was the first song that we kind of said, you know what? It suits the song. Let's do it. Open this tuning. And I was going to say, have your listeners try to guess what it is. But no, it's it's called Dad Fad. But it's actually Dad F, F sharp Ad. So that's the key to it if you want to play along at home. Oh, I, I like it because in that tuning, I can play it all. I sort of just bridge like the, the low three strings on the guitar with my index finger. And I just I just move it up and down the neck without changing, which is like a very high school way to play guitar. Also so easy for a robot to replace you doing that. We've been over this. <laughs> Guys, thank you very much for being on my show. I enjoyed this so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for meeting us here. Really appreciate it. I don't want to get by getting by. Don't do the trick for me. Because I could get free doing things a little differently. I don't want to get made. Getting made ain't making much of me. I already got it all.
last thing I'd love you to do is say hi. My name is, I'm in a band called Tokyo Police Club, and you're listening to The Interview Show. That was the second Eminem reference of the interview for those keeping track at home. Uh, uh, wait, you want me to? I'll, I'll do one, do one each, or what do you think? All right, I'm going to start. Hi, my name is Chicka Chicka Graham Wright. Hi, my name is Josh. We're from Tokyo Police Club, and you're listening to The Interview Show. <laughs> <laughs>